Jamaica Souk is a polyinstrumentalist, musician, performer, producer, and DJ. Besides her residency at Perceptual, she also co-owns the label Gradient. The artist grew up in California and developed a passion for music from a very young age. Having studied piano, flute, and bass, she worked as both a jazz and rock musician before her adoration for electronic music took over and helped her ignite her career as a DJ. In all the years she's put in, Jamaica developed not only a profound relationship with music, but also an incredible work ethic that keeps her in the studio as well as on stage for six days a week. Rome wasn't built in a day, they say, and as we see from her achievements, artists' careers take continuous work and time to materialize. Jamaica talks about the importance of continuing to work on your craft to eventually see results, and she also talks about what's behind perceptual, her approach to deciding what music to release, and how she's helping other musicians with one-to-one -one tutoring. Jamaica shines for her output and technical preparation, and if you listen to this chat, you might uncover her secret for continuing to be productive, even when inspiration is nowhere to be found. Without further ado, enjoy Jamaica Souk. Jamaica, welcome uh, back, in a way, to the chat with Almost Sound. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. Um, how have you been lately? And I know I want to talk in a second about your, you released a massive, let's say, compilation with more than 12 tracks, divided into three parts on vinyl. So that has been, I'm sure, has been like a massive job. Like, how do you feel now, right now that the records are out and they've been sold out in our tracks, some of them? How do you feel about that? Um, I feel really good. Um, it's been um, a huge project and there's a lot of people involved. So it's been exciting to, uh, to work with, um, with these artists. There's um, 17 tracks on the four vinyls and actually um, part three and four come out in November. So Gradient 6 will release on Monday on vinyl um, it probably takes about a week after for it to hit all record shops. And then uh, Gradient 7, part four of Uncertain Landscape will release November 23rd. Very cool, yes. And this is a massive, like, I know because I also run a small label, like dealing with so many artists must have been like a, a very long job. When did you start conceptualizing the, the VA? That's correct, yeah. Dealing with... Um, with multiple artists is, is uh, it does take a lot of work, but it's also really exciting. It gives a lot of energy back and um, it's just um, really exciting to see uh, how far the project has come because about a year and a half ago, um, I started to contact producers whose music I, I liked and whose music I was playing and requested tracks from them and um, talked about the, the initial stages of the project. And of course, at that time, it was a very different time than now. Uh, artists were touring and they were busy with um, different projects, mostly shows and going places. Yeah. <laughs> um, so not, not everybody that I requested uh, um, we're able to to contribute and uh, that's okay because it turned out to be a beautiful project and it's actually um, um, it's it's really exciting to see 
how it came together and to see to see the um, feedback and the news from the the audience yeah it is amazing like you do, you put a lot of work into that and then eventually you see that it's a concrete piece of uh, wax that goes into violin shops there is someone who's grabbing that wax and playing that in their homes sometimes in clubs now and it's it's an amazing feeling and was there any good like and say friendship that was born out of that relationship with these artists i know you have wrong assessment you have uh, insulate uh, you have a lot of other artists was there any particular like let's say any person among these artists that you clicked with that you started having like a friendship after this uh, release yes actually i would say all of the artists that have released on this project um, have developed a deeper connection with me and with my label partner, um, Suna Matias. So Suna Matias and I run Gradient together and we started it in 2017. And the Uncertain Landscape Project is something that um, we put our hard work into and we can finally see the results um, now into yeah. uh, late November. And um, yeah, it's been really cool. So it's been great establishing a deeper connection with everyone who released on the yeah. various artists. And that's, I think that's what it's all about in the music community. Yeah, yeah. And, and I know you, I mean, you have, uh, I've seen a previous interview where you, you said something about uh, uh, music and techno especially is not just about uh, entertaining people, but it's also about um, empowering freedom and equality worldwide of those who are marginalized. Uh, what are ways that you think artists uh, can consciously promote freedom and equality using their music? Well, I would say by sticking to the music that they love and performing it in um, clubs and in safe environments, that's a way to create a safe space and safe haven for uh, equality and opening up, opening it to, to all different types of communities um, yeah. and just um, bringing people together. And by, by developing this sense of open community uh, with music, which is the universal language that, um, helps promote freedom and equality because you can go to a club, you can dance together to techno and you can be from all walks of life sharing this, that experience together without judgment. And that's yeah. something that is, um, is not available today. It's since COVID. So it's, um, it's interesting to, to not have that and to really miss mm. that. But, yeah. It, yeah, it it is it is really interesting, and and you are you live in Berlin, which is one of the biggest cities in terms of or the most active cities in terms of parties, club scene, having a lot of like freedom on the dance floor. And now it does feel a very different world where we are now. And for artists, for the community, it feels like something is missing. And this is a question that I'm sure tons of other people have in mind. How do you cope as a creator with this state of uncertainty, uh, anxiety? You wake up in the morning, you know, you're not going to play this Saturday. You're not going to find your community. Are there any things that work for you that can help other people perhaps? 
I do meditation, uh, whether it's a walking meditation or a silent meditation. And I try to write music every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it's for 20 minutes a day, that's something that I strive to do. So, and if it's not writing something 20 minutes a day, I will go uh, to rehearsing, playing vinyl, playing music. And that is also a form of meditation for me. And it helps me um, transcend and cope with reality. And it's also a uh, emotional release for me. So Mm -hmm. it's something very important. I noticed that when I do not uh, allow myself that time, that's when I, I, I feel um, the most anxious and that's when I have more stress. So, yeah. you know, even with bills stacking up and canceled shows and the stress of daily life, um, you can tell yourself, oh, I do not have time for something, but actually just by taking taking a break out of your daily life and just putting that into your schedule will yeah. make a huge difference. Yeah, yeah I, I, feel, I feel like that sometimes. And, and do you, have you ever tried to learn meditation or something that came natural into your daily life? I have tried to learn meditation and it's something that I feel that I'm still learning because there's mm-hmm. so many different types of meditation and um, it's, it's also, um, it also has to do with mindfulness, which is what something that I practice as well. And it's, mm-hmm. it's um, related to awareness or giving yourself this, this headspace where you can take a break and kind of forget everything around you. Yeah. So you, you can also do this with music. You know, you can put on your iPod or stream from your iPhone and take time for yourself, go on a walk or run or something and try to get the world out of your mind just temporarily. Yeah, it does. It does seem like that is super effective in your case to remove you from the, the mess that sometimes you might find your, your mind going to. Uh, and and I, I really like the approach of the 20 minutes per day of... Uh, yeah, writing music at least 20 minutes per day. I remember you and I had a conversation before about this. And I remember, I, I think I made that mental note of, of what you think, of what you said. Even if it's 20 minutes, it does sound very little, but it is important because it keeps you going. Uh, are there any days in your, like, you know, in your recent times, especially because of the situation where you felt like, oh, even 20 minutes is like, no, I can't do that. It, like, Do you, can you tell us a bit more about that experience? Um, Yes, definitely. I have this and it's, it's, um, I think it's something that all people deal with, with any type of art or uh, passion or hobby or anything. Um, And the best way for me to tackle this is by having a space dedicated to, uh, for music and a space that I go to and I can have things set up in a specific way or in a similar way. And I can um, have this process of repetition. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you have a a desk in your home or wherever you live, 
that has um, your computer, Ableton, or a piece of gear that you love, or something nice, like um, whatever you're using, and you just show up to that every day and take those 20 minutes for yourself to write something fresh, that really helps because I think it's similar um, as in going to the gym or practicing a sport. Sometimes it's difficult to arrive. Yeah, of course. And it's like you're making it easy for you to accomplish the mission because you have the space that encourages that, creating like some kind of anchor. Uh, Is your studio where you produce music inside your home or separate? My studio is um, above a nightclub in Berlin and it is about a three kilometer bike ride away from my home. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's close. Um, in the winter, when it gets really cold in Berlin, it feels very far away. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> but um, but I do I do um, I do mostly mixing there mm-hmm. as well as arrangement. Yeah. But um, as far as the twenty minute approach to fresh creative ideas, I do that from anywhere. So it can also be at home, at the desk that I dedicate to this, or um, I can implement that into my travel schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's interesting because I think that creates momentum and, and like you also feel like you're, you're accomplishing something even when that is small and that keeps you going. And eventually the, it's a compound effect. Over the years, you have created so much music and you have trained yourself to create music in any state that you're going to be able to make music continuously. It's not going to feel like a, a lot of pressure or, or like something that you cannot stand. Uh, and I remember you, you mentioned to me once that pressure can create diamonds. And it's another thing that I really like. Uh, what, what, what's behind that phrase that's stuck oh. in my mind? <laughs> um, well, that's something that I find truth in uh, because I am someone who likes to keep um i like to practice a busy schedule so i often commit to multiple projects and i put them into my google calendar and that's how i um have my that's how i have my work week Um, i am a freelancer so as a freelancer it can be difficult sometimes to differentiate the work time versus your off time And with uh, musicians and artists, when we are pursuing a career within something that is our passion, I feel that um, it's really hard to sometimes take time off. um, Like self-care and everything, like the the worlds just blend together. And that's what it's like for freelancers, for entrepreneurs. Um, And it's, it's something that can um it can be damaging to your mental state and to to other things in your life so um yeah so yeah so by basing my my weekly by having my week based on projects and based on studio time or um um time for record shopping and things like that when I have deadlines in my calendar and um, I reach those goals, I feel that, um, that it really pays off. 
and I feel that the pressure that I put on myself uh, to try and reach that deadline creates diamonds. So yeah, yeah, it's almost like your your pressure and your your time, and then what comes out of that is like a diamond, like a finished brilliant product. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And then by finishing that deadline, you can move on to the next project with a satisfactory feeling of accomplishment, which helps helps you then tackle your next projects. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very interesting. And there's something that you also mentioned now when you were telling uh, how you schedule your week, which is keeping a balance. Uh, do you find it hard sometimes to strike uh, or let's say to keep relationships in your life because you overfocus on work, music or any other type of work? Yes, in the past, that's something that I've struggled with. I put work first and I still um, put that on a high priority. Um, I still put that on like a high position in yeah. my, my list. But now uh, since COVID happened, I've taken more time for social relationships and for um, contacting my family and I'm traveling less. So it's, it's allowed me more time to focus on these really important things in life, which are actually more important than work. Yeah, yeah, and relationships included, <laughs> family, relationships, yeah. whatever form, yeah. It, it does make sense. And, and I, it seems really that this reset or forced reset that COVID brought to a lot of us is, is like a big reset button where it's keeping all of us in, in check. I, I just saw um, a picture today of, a, of another DJ who, who, who posted a picture of himself in, in the gym. And he, was, he said, I stopped smoking for now three months almost since smoking for like 15 years, more than 40 cigarettes a day. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And he said, no alcohol, nothing else, no smoking, gym three, three times a week at least. I feel another person. You know, Amazing. It's interesting. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and just to say something, just the last thing on this topic, and then we can move on to other things. But is there anything that positive that you take away with you from, uh, from this experience from the lockdown? Yes. Um, from the lockdown, it's helped me focus on relationships, like I've said. So I've allowed myself more time each week to connect with a friend and uh, go on a walk or take more um, self-care time. Of course, there's restrict social restrictions. So yeah. I strive to do this um, in a way that's responsible. But yeah. you know, you, you can still meet with a friend on a Skype call, or you could go on a walk with them and grab a coffee and just have a conversation. And I think now is a time where people they really value this time. So yeah. even myself, and it's a great time to reach out to people that you know, or people that you don't know as well, and you want to get to know better. Um, it's really a good time to contact them and just ask like how they're doing or ask them about projects or um, different yeah. things like that. Um, the other thing that I've taken from this time is, um, um, is basically searching for new opportunities hmm. which have recently uh, come to me so i'm excited about about the future of those opportunities and um 
there's a few music companies that have contacted me that are looking for some collaborations. Mm -hmm. And when that's ready, I will be able to post more news about it. But for now, I will have to just wait until that time comes. So yeah, fingers crossed. And, and you mentioned new opportunities. Do they are they all related to music, or so you're considering something outside of music too? They're all related to music. Yeah, and I know that you you keep yourself busy even now. You're doing a lot of one to ones and mentorships for other producers. Uh, how is that going? How are you feeling about that? Uh, you're helping basically up-and-coming producers, I guess, with their own music. Do you enjoy that's, that? Yes, that's correct. It's something I really enjoy and it gives uh, gives back a lot of energy and it allows allows you to also share your experience and your knowledge and to um, develop a connection with somebody. So... Um, each student has a different level of learning experience and yeah. it's something that I learn a lot from and that I really enjoy. Um, I teach one-on-one -on -one music production lessons that's um, tied with mentorship. So yeah. each, um, each student has, a, um, has different needs and they are interested in different things and I mm -hmm. cater each relationship towards towards them and their needs and their desires and we go from there yeah yeah so mentorship meaning that you you you, be, you make yourself available for them if they have questions uh, not just about technical things but also about how they would approach a label how they would approach you know uh, let's say an agent how they would approach promoters that kind of stuff right that's correct Yes, that's very cool. And I, I do feel that this is a great moment for anyone to do that uh, for, for a variety of reasons, like the, there's more students who want to do that and we have more time. So, um, yeah, if you're able to put time toward uh, helping other people this way, it's, yeah, it's amazing. Definitely. Yeah. Is there any kind of recurring questions that you're getting from your mentees or students these days? Something that it's everybody's asking about. Well, people are, um, students ask me um, different things depending on the student. So it really varies um, from a person to person basis. Yeah. But questions that come up are, how do I contact a record label? How can I go about uh, releasing on a label I look up to? And these are questions that um, are difficult to answer actually because it, it also varies on that record label. Yeah. And yeah, of I guess, yeah, yeah my, my answer to that is usually um, don't be afraid, contact the record label, put yourself out there, send them music and um, continue sending them music. Even if they stop responding to you, you know, maybe one day, maybe they're really busy, first of all. And then, <laughs> probably yes. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, maybe one day out of the blue they will contact you, and if that doesn't happen, just um, just don't take it personal. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And and there is a, another related thing, and I hope like someone who is uh, thinking to send more music to labels takes this away with them. Um, thanks, Ramaga, for the uh, tip. I, I hope really someone can can get. 
can gain a lot of inspiration from these words. And there is another thing that I think is a recurrent topic now, I'm speaking with a lot of producers, which is, should I release music now or not? Um, because essentially a lot of the releases are linked now to getting a gig or becoming available for a promoter to book you. And now there is almost zero gigs around the world. Releasing for a lot of people start to seem like worthless because they think if I release now in, let's say we start again in six months time, hopefully earlier, people will forget about me. How, what do you think? Do you think it's, it's still worth it to, um, for people to release now or should people like consider to wait a little bit more? I think it's a better time than ever to release music and to get deeper into your craft. I think that um, the mindset of having a release tied to a gig should be um, thrown out because mm. you should not release something because you want something else. So that um, that is not it is not important to um, it's not important for an artist to release music or to put something out there just to um, to get a show. I mean, of course, mm. uh, that does help, and it helped before COVID. But if you uh, decide to be an artist and to make that your life then I would just do it for the art and do it for, for the music and basically release what you believe in and what you like. And it doesn't matter if anybody else likes it or not. Um, and if you can't find a label to release it on, I would say start your own record label. Uh, I, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I, I hope that, that you know people are listening to, to this very carefully. Uh, I, I think it's... It's counterintuitive sometimes because it, it does feel like now the best and the, maybe the only way to get gigs is to release on, on other people's labels. Uh, so I see a lot of producers, a lot of us, sometimes even myself, like, you know, they get stuck thinking, oh, I should not release this stuff and wait for whatever, a big label to come pick it up. And then I'm going to start playing somewhere. I, I, I don't know. I, I agree with you. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's um, it's it's so difficult to know um, what what labels will like out of your collection of finished tracks, and it's difficult to um, to be promised to release something on a large label and then to then have it fall through. And there's so many factors that we face as music producers and DJs. I totally totally understand. Um, so I think by having your own platform and starting your own record label and developing your own community, that takes away the stress from that thinking and it, it gives you a voice and it gives others yeah. a voice that you invite to, to, the, to release with or to collaborate with. Yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, I, I very much, yeah. And I very much encourage anyone who is listening to this to uh, start uh, preparing questions so because in, in a bit, we're going to ask questions from uh, a Q&A to Jamaica. So if you have questions, especially about releasing, uh, prepare them, type them in the Facebook pages. So we're going to pick them up and, and ask them to Jamaica. Um, and super, super interesting what you say, Jamaica, about the, you know, starting on a label, regular label. You start a gradient and what was one of the hardest things you have faced with your co-founder so far? The hardest thing that we've faced is release dates for vinyl. Hmm. Because um, 
with with vinyl production, it's uh, there's a lot of factors. So there, so that um, that turns into delays sometimes, and that's something that you just have to kind of roll with and accept. So, yeah, it's very hard. And are you are you using one pressing plant or are you using multiple? Like especially now you just pressed essentially five different bindings, the five different parts of your latest VA. Have you been able to use the same uh, pressing plant consistently for the five or you're changing? Um, with, with the recent four vinyls, uh, we, we used deep grooves from the Netherlands. Okay. And this is a, a cool pressing plant because they are sustainable and they are eco-friendly. And they even, um, they even offer carbon-free shipping. Wow. Okay, okay, okay. That's very interesting. I will definitely check them out. Uh, and we're going to include their link in the show notes for sure. Uh, very cool. Yeah, please do. And they're also super friendly and nice to work with. And um, in our experience, we've tried, um, we tried another pressing plant, which was also really great and good quality but we experienced a lot of delays and mm. I think um, they, they just had a lot of business. So I don't think it was anything that yeah. anyone could, um, could change. Yeah. So they were too popular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <Good pro> <laughs> Sometimes it's a good problem to have, you know, but <laughs> yeah. But so now, now it'll be deep so. groove. So watch, watch out. <laughs> just Very cool. Shout out to a deep groove. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about a bit about your origins. So you've been busy since <laughs> the start of your career. I, I, I know we discussed about it. So you were born in uh, San Francisco, in California, not, maybe not San Francisco, but it was California, US, and you grew up there for quite a, some while. You played music there before electronic music. Can you tell us a bit more about your origins with music? Oh, sure. I started playing music pretty early. So I started with piano when I was five years old. And I grew up in Northern California, and I was surrounded by a lot of musicians. So there is a huge community there for uh, live music, um, like everything from rock to um, metal, to ska, to... Um, to country, I mean, they have everything, but it's mostly about live band music rather than electronic music. Yeah. So it's kind of the opposite of Berlin, which is the Mecca for electronic music. Mm -hmm. And I, um, yeah, I, after flute or after piano, I picked up the flute and then I played the bass guitar when, um, and with the bass guitar, I played in my high school and college uh, in the jazz bands and the symphony and the mm -hmm. jazz combos. And I was just dedicated to playing um, bass guitar in, within school. And um, also on, during the week and on the weekends, I had band practice in different genres of different bands from grindcore, shoegaze, uh, to ska, and I just, um, I was just very passionate about it, about playing bass guitar, and mm -hmm. I wanted to, um, 
to, yeah, I just wanted to make it with one band. So that's why I was working with different groups. And, you know, there's so many factors to playing in a band. You're dealing with multiple people, with multiple personalities. and Egos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And also um, uh, rehearsal. So yeah. I think, I think um, if you, for, for professional touring rock bands, uh, you should rehearse two to three times a week mm-hmm. and for about a year before you start touring that's really what it takes you know it takes time for everyone for the musicians to be on the same page with each other Mm -hmm. and to be in um, just to be synced together and to be in tune with each other mentally and spiritually who knows in all different ways so it's yeah yeah it's much it's probably much harder than uh, DJing, than preparing a DJ set. Like, no disrespect for all of us who also DJ, or, mm-hmm. but it, it is much harder, like three times a week at least, uh, rehearsing for, I don't know, I guess four hours or more. It's definitely much more than, and also having to organize with other people, it's much harder than turning on your console at home and, and playing, because that you can do it anytime you want, and uh, yeah. That's true. You have um, your machines and your computer are always there for you and you can always go to them. And your your bandmates uh, are also like you develop a um, you do develop trust and um, many, many different things um, within a band. But there's just so many factors, you know, people also have other lives outside of their band and they go through all different things and it's um it's something i have a lot of respect for it's it's um yeah it's it's very difficult and it takes a lot of patience and dedication but so so does djing djing also takes hours and hours of practice and rehearsing and time to find your voice you know it takes i think many years as a dj to really know what you're doing (laughs) Ah, yes for sure (laughs) yeah and and as a producer too like eventually uh, how long have you been producing for uh this time i've produced since um 2009 but i released my first ep in uh, 2013 wow yeah yeah so basically took you yeah 2009 four years to just release something out and since now, until now, it's been 11 years. So yeah, it, it is a long journey. It's a huge, long, steep learning curve as well. And I know you, you also play a live set. Uh, and if I remember correctly, like at the end of August, you played a live set in Berlin in uh, uh, Prince Charles. Is that right? That's yes. correct. Okay. Yes, that's correct. How was that? How did you find it? Because I remember you were preparing it when we first spoke. And you prepared the live set with your bass guitar as well, incorporated the live set. Yes, that's correct. I was preparing for over a month and it was for ARC, which is an event uh, put on by Sweat Lodge Agency and Inland at Davenport. And it's a monthly series that, um, that, is, that was held at Prince Charles in Berlin. Mm-hmm. And this was a seated concert um, where you have to wear a mask and they follow all the hygienic rules, of course. Um, 
but it was a different experience uh, audio-wise for the normal club goer. And that's mm -hmm. something that is really special um, to this day and age. And um, it makes a lot of sense because uh, since clubs are closed, there's less opportunities to hear um, that type of music live. So it's cool to see what, are, what other types of music producers and DJs can offer. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And for people who are interested in uh, experimenting with their own live sets, aside from DJing and producing, uh, how long does it take for you to prepare one live set? It takes anywhere from one to two months or more. And we're talking about like uh, four days a week, five days a week in the studio, rehearsing and preparing, right? It, <laughs> Yeah, that, that's correct. Um, I spend a lot of time actually deciding what pieces of gear I want to use in my live set. And it's sometimes I spend too much time on that. And <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, what I what I realized is by limiting yourself and having less gear to then just practice every day. Uh, practice every day with that will help but if yeah. you have too many options and if you're working with a modular system it's just um, it's just endless the opportunities that are there so you can think like oh I, I just want to buy this uh, one extra module or two <laughs> extra modules so I can do my live set and then you realize that this is very um counterproductive i mean sometimes it works don't get me wrong so i i would recommend uh, borrowing modules if you can or buying used equipment you know um there's a lot of other musicians who work with modular systems who uh, go through the same thing they want to buy more modules i mean that's the whole the whole thing you get once you get started yeah. it's totally a wormhole i'm not gonna lie <laughs> it, it is like it, it is a rabbit hole uh, yeah. uh, no, I, I think uh, yeah, I, I can only imagine like uh, because if you like your music eventually you would spend 20 hours uh, straight uh, forgetting about the world just tweaking knobs and and feeling these new sounds like you, you, you feel like a kid like yeah you know everything totally. else outside of the world doesn't matter in the in the moment Yes, totally. Yeah. Is there any favorite pieces of, of gear for you that you would always bring, or let's say almost always bring with yourself into a live set? Yes, the electron analog rhythm mm -hmm. is something that I really like and I find it um, intuitive. Once you get past the small learning curve with electron stuff, then it's fairly easy yeah. to use. Yeah. And I, I recommend the Eventide H9 Max pedal. Mm -hmm. this, um, this is something that I love in the studio or in a live set. It's also very small, so you can travel with it anywhere. And it has um, a lot of algorithms from the other Eventide plugins, which is great. Got it. Okay. Okay. And, and the... Uh... Okay, so Electron, I'll agree that you have the first version or the MK2? I have the MK2 now. 
Thank you, too. Yeah, yeah. So that is the one with the live sampler, where you can sample uh, something from an input, and then you can merge it with a sample. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. There you go. Very cool. Yeah. And you use that to um, as a master as well to send the tempo to to sync everything else, or you use a, a sequencer for as a master normally. That's that is my master clock. That's correct. Okay, master clock. Yeah, very good. Yeah. And yeah, for people who don't know Electron, uh, they are amazing machines, but they do indeed have a big learning curve, steep learning curve, because you need to read the instructions. Like, there's no way you escape from that. <laughs> They're quite <laughs> complex. Um, very cool. Let me ask you something about, uh, so Pornceptual, it's a, a event, a platform that you've been around or in for a while, and a lot of people associate your music uh, and they love your music uh, also because of what you are one of the residents there. So they really associate you with the, with the brand. Uh, for people who have never been to Pornceptual, uh, how would you describe it in a uh, few words? Um, Pornceptual is a queer sex positive party that promotes equality and protect, protects those especially marginalized. Yeah, it which, which really resonates with what you, what you said at the start, where uh, it's very important for a dance floor, a community, or a club to gather around places where you, can, you feel free, protected, you don't feel harassed by other people, and, and especially if you want to protect diversity, you want to encourage diversity, that is particularly important. Um, what was uh, one amazing event that, or like, let's say an amazing moment of your uh, career or life in Pornceptual that you remember and you always smile about when you remember it? I feel that every Pornceptual is, um, gives me that feeling because the audience is so, um, so free and open-minded. And there are some really cool people in the collective that um, are going to support each event and that I find inspiration from. There's a lot of artists that come to the events. Um, it's not only music-based, it's also a magazine and a collective that, um, that is a political collective. Um, so there's been some really exciting moments um, playing for Pornceptual but I cannot single out one because that would make that one better than the others. And it's, it's difficult for me to decide. So. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> do, do, do you remember like the, the, the first time you actually, so for, for people, to give context to people, so Pornceptual was started when? When was uh, founded? When did it start the first party? I th um, it was eight years ago, eight plus years ago. Okay, eight years ago. And do you remember the first time you actually entered Pornceptual? Was it around the same time? I've been a resident for over four years. Mm -hmm. So I have not been with them since day one, but I came um, into it, yeah, about over four years ago. And the first Pornceptual that I went to was with my partner and we arrived um, to Altamunta and we went down into the dungeon and um, it was very hot and sweaty, like extremely, extremely hot. <laughs> and I remember um, uh, the theme, uh, I remember there was a theme. So we saw a lot of people wearing uh, similar types of outfits. 
and it just seemed like I don't know it seemed like a movie (laughs) (laughs) but um but it was yeah it was very intense I would say but um also really exciting because they have different rooms and um different genres of music playing in the different rooms so it's uh, an event where you can walk around and see different things and playing in front of an audience who is um who some are naked actually really Mm -hmm. helps take take away the stress (laughs) yeah it is, uh, I think there is a film, filmmaker, director, I think Lars von Triel, possibly, who is famous for uh, having the entire troupe, like he shoots a lot of uh, scenes with people that were naked. And then to make the actors more comfortable in being naked, he, he gets everybody undressed. So the entire troupe is like <laughs> <laughs> undressed. And it, okay, this is a different example, but I think it's, it's interesting because then you, you remove barriers, like you feel more vulnerable and also you feel more open. Very interesting. And that's something that I, I've always appreciated and cherished about Berlin, that uh, there was this culture of being uh, non-judgmental, of being very welcoming, whatever you feel you want to do in that particular context. Do you feel that, like things have changed? First of all, let me ask you, like, when, was, when did you actually move to Berlin? When did you arrive? I arrived in 2012. Okay, yes. So... Did you feel that, that the scene and the respect uh, for diversity, for openness, has matured or has changed over the years since you arrived in Berlin? I feel that, um, like all things, there's change, but uh, Berlin still has some of its old values here. Mm-hmm. Um, although, um, due to uh, COVID, things have um, changed a lot in a short amount of time because of the restrictions. And so uh, last weekend we had a conceptual open air event where uh, there was um, there were hygienic uh, rules. Um, every attendee who, who entered, they had their temperature taken and everyone wore a mask at all times and there were distancing rules but it was shut down and um by the police and there it's it's in the newspapers and it made headlines and other legal open airs last weekend also got shut down Mm -hmm. so i feel that because of these new restrictions um that we're experiencing now that is um, affecting the scene. So, I mean, of course this makes sense. I mean, even to do an event during COVID is a huge risk and a huge privilege. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. And, and just for, for to put things in context, uh, we are now in the week of uh, October 28 or 20, 26 actually. And uh, today's 28th of October. So to timestamp this and not to, uh, show that we're doing things against the law. I think Berlin is going to go into a more stricter lockdown from November 2nd. So yeah, last weekend was much before the, you know, the new rules come and kick in. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how, how do you see this panning out? Because I'm questioning myself, like there is a part of me that is still is very scared about what is going to happen to our community, to our industry. 
to a lot of artists whose main income is from gigs or performances or anything linked to clubs, people who work in clubs. And there's another part of me, which is like, it is what it is. It, it's very unfortunate. I, I just want to focus on what I can do to make things better for my community and for, as you said before, like finding different opportunities, perhaps. How do you feel personally about what is going to happen? Well, it's first of all, I'm still shocked about it. I know that um, many people are are um, experiencing all different types of emotions from lost work, lost shows. Um, people who work in clubs and people who work in nightlife are also experiencing this. And it's a really uh, tragic time for our dance music community. And it's um, a huge community, especially in Berlin. I mean, Berlin uh, made a lot of money from its tourism and from nightclubs. So it's something that is going to, um, I think, continue for some time. And unfortunately, and if we are not proactive and supportive of our community and supportive of each other, and I, I feel that it's, it's just going to have uh, an even larger negative effect. So it's a really good time to start new projects, um, to perhaps teach, like you said, or uh, look into mentorship programs or um, I guess just look into other work unfortunately I don't yeah, want to, to yeah I don't want to tell um, artists or DJs or music producers to get a day job in a sense or um, stop pursuing what they love but um, by finding some kind of side income I feel that 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 can only make a positive impact on your uh, on your artist career, because if you have some some energy source coming from something else, I mean, it could still be within music, or um, it could be from a platform like Patreon, where yeah. you share your knowledge or mm -hmm. um, develop your own um, your own tools and and levels of what you want to share with people. I feel that that will only bring you back positive energy. And yeah, I would just say, try not to be um, afraid of that. So be open to opportunities that are coming um, or start your own opportunities. Yeah, yeah, like you were saying about the label, right? Starting your own platform too give yourself a voice and people that you, you want to also help. And uh, in the meantime, I think we're getting some questions uh, from the crowd. Uh, so before we go into to the deeper pub, let's try to answer some of these questions. And guys, if you're listening now, feel free to type any questions on Facebook. We're gonna collect them and try to answer them. Um, there's a question, I think from Julia about, I've been approached uh, from a label and I'm not so convinced about releasing with them. What would you recommend? <laughs> I don't know why she's not convinced that, I guess. Well, if you, I, I would say if you're not so convinced with releasing with them and you have some hesitations, then to um, go with your intuition. Don't, don't release with them. So, um, but also I would 
uh, would try to see if you can place that track somewhere else or um, do a self-release. You can open a Bandcamp account, uh, an artist account, and you can just release it on Bandcamp. And you can just start selling it directly. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Jamaica. And now it's helpful for Julia. And there's a question about vinyl. Uh, Jamaica, are you still convinced that vinyl is uh, more important than Digital, I guess, if you're convinced, if you think that, that vinyl is, is more important than digital or. Uh... Well, I, I don't uh, feel that one is more important than the other, but I really do love vinyl. I just love, um, I love feeling an actual product in my hands and um, having a sound associated with artwork. And it's just easier for me to um, have this physical piece of product. So it just, um, it gives me a different approach to when I play. Uh, I also love digital as well. I still shop a lot on digital. And now um, a lot of artists I feel are releasing even more on their band camps. So I am buying um, a lot of digital now as well. I, I buy both and um, I just try to stay updated with my favorite producers and labels and mm -hmm. just yeah. hear what they're up to. Yeah. Hey, do, do you find Bandcamp is the, like, what do you use normally to buy digital music? Bandcamp? Something else as well? I, I'm not limited to one platform. So mm -hmm. I will shop on over three different platforms, about four different websites for digital. And once I go through all of those websites, then I will um, shop on my, I think, three websites for vinyl. And then I'll also have a day or afternoon where I just go on Discogs. And that takes a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> Discogs takes a lot of time. I mean, not all, all the other shopping. I mean, it's... Um, it's fun for me to dig through different things. Of course, going to an actual record shop is my favorite, but um, you know, now uh, you can just be within the comfort of your own home and shop online. So yeah, yeah, safe, I mean, safely. So I mean, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> safely. It's true. Um, thanks, Jamaica. Uh, one question uh, uh, from Sishan, I guess, is how can I find out about your mentorships, I guess, mentorship program? And uh, is this online only? No, online or only in Berlin? This is online as well as in Berlin, but I do both. And you can find out about it by contacting me directly, privately. I recommend um, dropping me a message on SoundCloud or on Instagram, and we can have a chat and see um, see if if we can work together and if this is something that will be beneficial. Yes. Amazing. So yeah, so it's mostly word of mouth. Perfect. And I, I mean, if you have an email, a specific email, or if not, we're going to include the link with uh, a short description. So people who want to reach out know where to find you. Uh, okay, cool. We can do it like that too. Yeah. Yes.
Okay, nice. I have another two questions from the crowd in the meantime, and I'm thinking, let's, I know we are like going toward the, the end, so in, in a moment we're going to go toward the wrap up. And um, okay, so there's a question about like uh, uh, working with promoters, like, uh, actually two questions. One is, what are some of the best clubs you played in that you remember? Some of the best clubs I played in, um, that's, um, well, that's a good question. Um, in Germany, I love Blitz Club in Munich. They have an incredible sound system, uh, a tuned void sound system. And it sounds similar on every point of the dance floor. So cool. that's, Blitz. that's a Blitz. And yeah. I also recommend Kitty. In uh, Tbilisi. That's correct. That's also yeah. an incredible club and really cool people running it. Um, the sound is amazing. And the lights that go with uh, the club night are, are really, really impactful. Um, mm -hmm. And also, I would say the block in Tel Aviv. Lock and Aviv. Okay, very cool. Yes. Uh, amazing. Hope that answered the question. And then there is a kind of slightly related question, but what are uh, effective ways to work with promoters or to get to become known from promoters? By focusing on your own sound and really tuning in with yourself and tuning in with what you love. Um, that, that is going to show uh, through your, your podcast, through your mixes, and through your productions. So it's something that takes time, but I would say don't be afraid of um, doing what you love sound-wise. I mean, don't try mm -hmm. to please others or, you know, I don't know, stick with trends or something. Just be true to yourself and um, go with that. Yeah. And and be patient. <laughs> be patient. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I wish there was a, a faster answer, faster, yeah. effective way. But I, I think it's interesting because, like, it's very true. Like, be patient. It's probably for anything that is worthwhile. Uh, or difficult to, to do in life, you need to be patient. I guess we are very much used to have instant gratification. We can order stuff and get anything online in two seconds. So when it comes down to be patient, we struggle. You know, we are all <laughs> in the same yeah. boat. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It is, yes. Thanks, Jamaica. And um, okay, so I'm gonna ask one of our final questions. Uh, and then see if there is another Q&A, another from the Q&A. Um, what is a, a guilty pleasure track of yours? Something that you have, maybe it's a track that you love, but you never get the chance to play out in a club. Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, that's something that's always changing for me because I listen to a wide variety of genres. And in the morning, um, I listen to a lot of reggae or um, I don't know, different rock bands and stuff. And I guess um, 
there's always sometimes a song that uh, the lyrics get stuck in my head and that's something you want to sing in the shower, but you don't want to share with other people. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So secret. <laughs> We, we we all we all have them we all have them like, i'm sure yeah <laughs> we all have, have a lot of them uh mm. no shame i mean like we're all human we like, yeah. like stuff. it's not serious it's funny <laughs> thank you for for being honest um so and then there is a okay so question for you who is a guest that you think we should really speak with and and why i recommend electric indigo She's someone who's been in the industry for some time and she has um, uh, developed her platform Female Pressure, which gives um, a lot of females in the industry a voice and a community. And I feel that there are, um, there's a lot that she can talk about um, experience-wise and um, It's also very credible what she's done for the music community and what she's done for females and non-binary. Very cool. Yes, it's, uh, I take the suggestion and thank you for, for, <laughs> for suggesting oh. it. She, she's great. And so uh, I think last question, which is a bit of a tradition from um, in the Almost Sound interviews, which is uh, what is a question that we should ask our next guest without knowing who they're going to be? Um, a question that I always like to ask other DJs and producers is um, about their previous work. So what other jobs have you worked? Yes, okay, amazing. And as you can imagine, there is a question for you. <laughs> I'm trying to find it in my notes, but... Uh, uh, oh yeah, okay, so there's a question which is, does music Does making music make you happy? And if so, is that the point of making music? Making music is my release um, emotionally. And it's something that I have to do to feel complete. So yes, after creating music, I feel happier. Um, Just like when you, I think, go on a run or when you meditate, um, I feel that I feel very, I feel gratification after and I'm addicted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I guess, yes, is a so, big yes. reason. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Uh, Jamaica, thanks so much for being with us. This has been a pleasure and very good to, uh, to see you again and to see that you, you are doing so well and, and are Despite the hard times, you're still excited to do what you do. Uh, and I'm, I'm personally looking forward to hearing more of your music and, and seeing more of your projects. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Is there any announcements that you want to make? Any latest projects that if people are interested want, you know, can, can check out? Sure. On the weekend, I am performing a live set uh, for Female Pressure on their room common which is um, uh, which is going to be aired on currents fm mm -hmm. so it's a live set from my music studio in berlin and wow. you can uh, join online so i'll include a link uh, to that as well i'll send it to you perfect uh, yes yeah 
And Friday, I will be closing um, the Inherencia uh, music label party for an open air in Berlin. Mm -hmm. It's very, very limited capacity. So fingers crossed that everything goes well with this, um, with safety regulations and so forth. So yes, yeah, uh, <laughs> fingers crossed like, and yeah, hopefully like we're gonna get back to some kind of a community closer together very soon. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and uh, the last thing that I'd like to announce is um, a film project that will be released online. And it is a film for the Uncertain Landscape four-part various artists series on Gradient. Mm -hmm. And it's a film that uh, director Anthony Bordeaux created. And the music is a DJ mix of all of the various artist tracks mixed by me. Very cool. so, so that should release um, end of November or early December. That's super cool. And we will make sure to share it with our community. So as soon as you have the, the link out and it's out, so let us know. We're going to redirect it, reshare it. I'm looking forward to, re to seeing that. Cool. Thank you. Very cool. Jamaica, thanks so much for being with us. And um, wish you a great evening and see you, see you soon, perhaps. Thanks for having me. Have a nice evening, too. Bye-bye. Ciao. OK, guys, this is Joseph, and this is the outro. If you really like the content, I wanted to ask you, please consider liking us on Instagram or leaving a review on the podcast. Whether you're using that on Apple is very useful for us. And your comment makes all of our work worth it. Also, if you have any guests that you really would like us to chat with, let us know. We take any suggestion or any feedback and we use it to improve and direct what we're going to do next. If you're a producer and you're interested in masterclasses with artists such as Scalameria, VSK, Romek, Lag, and many more, you can now check our website homosound.co.uk. We have plenty of classes and more are coming as well. So brace yourself, you're going to get a lot of content. And one last thing, shout out for Vlad for editing this podcast and Declan for creating the content that you all see on social media. Plus, of course, big thanks to Juliana, Flaminia, Alessandro and Rick from Tapefeed for all the rest of the work at Homo Sound. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time at Homo Sound.